Welcome to Therapist Unfolding, the podcast that explores individual paths and life journeys of your trusted mental health professionals. I'm your host, Kimberly, an associate marriage and family therapist on a mission to amplify voices of clinicians of color. I created this podcast as a platform for therapists to tell their stories and for you to experience their therapist truths. So, are you ready to unfold a story? Welcome to Therapist Unfolding. Today we are joined by Jennifer Jimenez Wong, a licensed marriage and family therapist from California. And today is a special episode because we are creating an episode for Mother's Day or Mother's Month. Um, And Jennifer is a full-time mother, a clinical supervisor, a nonprofit agency, and a private practice therapist. So she's she's dealing with a lot of things, and I think she's she she's the perfect guest for for this episode. Um, so Jen, welcome to Therapist Unfolding. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and just your background and just life in general? <laughs> sure. So I've been a therapist for 17 years. Makes me feel really old. <laughs> um, I've been licensed for nine and I've been with with a nonprofit um, for about 14 years now. Wow. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Um, but I've been a clinical supervisor for that nonprofit for six. Um, so currently I also have a private practice on the side and yes, I'm a mother of three. (laughs) So yeah, it's been quite a lot to balance. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, even before you had private practice or you became a mother, you seem to be doing a lot of different things, like in different roles, like you were FM or the Filipino mental health initiative chair at one point. Right. Yeah. So I, I did start, um, with Filipino mental health initiative back in 2006 and I did it for about 10 years. I was an active member for 10 years and, um, was a chair for about three of those years. And I also volunteer for, um, a volunteer organization called Alice, where we go out and we promote um, healthy relationships to the community. Yeah. So lots of experience under your belt. <laughs> um, but in this episode, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a therapist and a mother. Right. And I'm hoping that listeners out there could relate to this, whether they're mothers, fathers, um, grandparents or just legal guardians of um, children and teens uh, because this last year has been different in terms of parenting I would say for a lot of people Um, so what has it been like for you being a full-time mom a supervisor at an agency a private practice therapist all of those um, during this pandemic oh it's a lot to balance (laughs) so um in in particular with the pandemic, it's a different way of shifting because I did balance it. Um, and I found a way to compartmentalize. So I would be a full-time mom at home and then clinical supervisor at the nonprofit and then a therapist at my private practice. So wherever I would step into, I would fully immerse myself into that role. Um, 
now that everything occurs at home, <laughs> it's a little bit more of a challenge. So, um, I do compartmentalize, but it is a little harder when, you know, I have my little toddler asking for mommy or, you know, my kids saying that they have internet issues and can't connect to their class or saying that they can't understand something. Also a wife, you know, <laughs> this is a lot more roles that I have inside my house. So, I mean, it's, it's great. I think we're blessed to have an extra room where I can close the door and, I could be a supervisor or I could be a, a therapist. Um, but yeah, once I step outside of that door, I'm a mom. <laughs> so yeah, you know, before I used to have a place of transition, I drive from, you know, my house to my office, my house to my private practice office. And that would be kind of like my way of decompressing from, the place I was previously at and transitioning to my next, wherever I need to be, my next role. But now it's just a, a matter of stepping outside the door. <laughs> so mm -hmm. definitely different. Um, you know, my daughter was six months old when the pandemic started and I just got back from maternity leave and it was scary just to think that all of my kids would be exposed to this unknown virus that was killing so many people. And so I kind of felt relieved having to have my kids stay at home. And, you know, at the beginning, the shelter in place was only supposed to be for one month. And it was nice to have the kids being safe at home and also to have extra time to bond with my infant. But then they kept extending that shutdown. So it's like, I think they were only supposed to go until, I think they went from March to like April. And then after April, they're like, it's going to keep going maybe the summer. And then after the summer, they're like, well, it's just going to keep going. And it kept yeah. going and the numbers kept rising. And, you know, we wanted to flatten the curve. It never really happened. I think maybe a little bit during the fall, but then, you know, come Christmas, it was, the numbers were rising again. Um, so part of me was relieved that we were, Stay from the outside world. And so we were really careful not to go out and even go to the grocery stores. We were very, very, very safe. My husband's a bit paranoid. <laughs> and so we were very safe. We had everything delivered. And we wanted to do that because we do have little kids. And, you know, we did have an infant daughter. And at the time she was an infant, now she's a toddler. Um, but also because we have parents with dementia. And we've been caretakers for them, and we didn't want to put any of the, our elders or our children at risk. So it was nice to be with our family, but at the same time, we were really, really uh, isolated from everyone else. Even for the elders at the beginning of the pandemic, we were doing visits through their patio windows outside. And so that was the only way we were seeing them, but we did not want to put anyone at risk at all. Yeah. And it sounds like you and your family are being really responsible about, you know, all the guidelines and all of that, which is good. I wish everyone <laughs> followed all the, the, um, the guidelines that they gave us. But, you know, as you were sharing, I, I heard some challenges of being, um, in isolation, like kind of not having that transition breaks between different roles that you have and and also like the good things right like being at home and having more time with your children yeah I, I guess I'm curious too like with everything that happened this past year and you know you mentioned too like the role of being a wife and a caretaker for your parents you know I wouldn't even plan for that to come up today but it, it's true it's part of like two other roles that you're you're um you've stepped into during this or 
I mean, you've always been a wife, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, all of these different things going on, but what are, I'm curious, what are some of the things that helped make things run smoothly or smoother at home? Um, let's see. <laughs> well, I know we, we did do a family calendar where we would put what we had every hour. And that was really helpful because then we get to see, you know, what we're anticipating, what's going to happen. Um, because, you know, so many schedules to manage my own schedule at work, then my private practice schedule, my husband has his own schedule. And then we have three other schedules, with the three kids. So we just laid it all out on a dry erase board. And I thought that was really helpful. Also um, had to get really creative with our token economy system that we had with our kids because, you know, they were at home. Um, but they're also students, but we wanted them to also do their chores. <laughs> so that was really hard because, you know, they're, they're studying and, but at the same time, they're making more mess because they're physically at home more. So we want that to, them to be, to be involved with the upkeep of our house. So I felt like the token economy was helpful as well. But yeah, I also saw as we got into the shelter in place for longer periods of time, I noticed that each kid had psychological effects. When we were probably in our fifth or sixth month of sheltering in place, I noticed that my oldest, who is naturally an introvert, starting get, she started to get too comfortable with staying at home to the point where she was afraid to go out. And you know, this is where we had to make sure that we were doing daily walks so that she can go outside and get used to interacting with some people, you know, there are a few people walking on the streets. There's not like crowds of people. There'd be like one or two. Um, but we just didn't want her getting too comfortable with isolating because we started noticing that. Um, and we wanted her to, to flex that muscle, that social muscle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my eight-year-old, she's an introvert. So, I mean, extrovert, sorry. <laughs> it's opposite of my 11-year-old. And she had a hard time doing distance learning and being there at full time because she loves, she loves people. She is a natural leader and she missed the social aspect of school. And so that was really hard on her. So adjusting to distance learning, she was just not getting that social energy that she was getting before. And so she started having tantrums three times a week and she found it very, very hard to focus on the screen. And then the baby, so she grew up thinking that everybody is in a screen. She grew up with thinking that people belong in squares, <laughs> that, you know, people belong in screens. And so the only human bodies that she saw were me, my husband, and her two sisters. And she was not used to seeing anyone else other than behind the screen. So when she did see people, actual people live, you know, she's very clingy still to this day is not used to being with her grandparents, her aunts, uncles, and cousins. And so we're trying to really try to get her used to that because she just would not be in the same room with them or even doctors. She screams. Yeah. We won't let the doctor examine her or anything because they're scary. People are supposed to be behind screens in her, in her world. And that's how she grew up. That was her first memories. And I'm wondering, you know, I mean, <laughs> not to sound negative, but I'm wondering what that would mean, like when she's a little bit older. Like, yeah, I like she'll probably reintegrate into the world, right? Like all of us would. But yeah, I wonder if she'll even carry that memory with her, like later in life. Yeah, I wonder too. It's 
the great mystery of all these COVID babies. How are they going to grow up in the future? How what's life going to be like? And it's amazing how attuned you are to like the needs of your children too. I mean, being a therapist, I I wonder if if that played a role because you were mentioning like the different um, social interactions and their preferences, and also like you're noticing how they were responding to um, this lack of social interaction. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I see the signs quicker than I would say like someone who wasn't a therapist. Um, I definitely see it. My husband doesn't. And I'm like, you know, you know, I'm starting to see that my oldest is staying at home, not really into doing things, not wanting to interact with her friends, which she usually does. I'm like, no, I think those are signs of depression perhaps. And, you know, maybe we should get that looked at. Um, and so, you know, I would, I had her enlist in a social skills group for kids that are also introverts. And I think it helped. Um, the beginning of the school year, she, you know, she transitioned from eighth grade to middle school this year. And so it was so hard for her to even think about interacting with people. So I wanted to make sure that I had her go into that group to make sure that she gets she, again, flexes that social muscle. Yeah. And and it's also, I guess, for listeners out there too, I think the stigma against services, whether it's a, a, skills, a social skills group or actual one-on-one therapy or, um, you know, whatever mental health service it is, examples like this, I think, shows that like, oh, we're not just saying that it works. Like we also practice those things in our own lives. Like we also utilize those resources as mental health clinicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually that kind of leads into the next question that I had. You know, I'm curious if there's anything or are there any differences in how you perceived parenting before you became a therapist um, and now that, you know, you've been in the field for um, 17 years? Yes, I'm human. <laughs> I make mistakes and I totally understand how parents could be easily frustrated. So I think, you know, before I would not quite understand that. And now I definitely understand the frustrations of a parent. And so I think my approach is a little bit being more patient with the parent as well. Whereas before, I don't know if I had that same patience, but I do now um, because I get it as a parent. Like it is frustrating, it's frustrating to have, you know, trying to balance it all. It could, it's, it's hard um, dealing with different personalities. You know, I have three kids with three different personalities, very, very different from each other. And so just trying to adjust to each personality and how um, I help them is also very different. So, yeah. <laughs> What came to mind is, you know, I hear a lot of parents, um, both in my professional life and personal life, say things like, oh, but this worked for this child. So why is this child not responding to that? Right. And the way you were describing it, how every child could have different needs and different personalities and one approach might not work for the other. Right. Yes. One one child loves to talk everything out. The other one doesn't one child would love a hug and the other one will <laughs> glance at me because I'm trying to give her a hug. So yeah, definitely different, um, different approaches. The way that my husband 
speaks to a child can really resonate for her. And then for me, it's another child. My, my message will resonate with the, the other child. So it's just the way the messages get, you know, kind of uh, communicated to each one of them is different as me and my husband are very different. And so it, it does resonate with them differently. I'm also thinking of like maybe single parents out there that maybe having to or needing to tailor their, their approach to um, each child. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I know that like, you know, from a cerebral kind of understanding, but I'm not a parent. So, so I think when we have these conversations to at work, I get really excited because I hear, you know, I work with a lot of parents too, or we both work with parents and mm-hmm. yeah, hearing you all talk about your experience as parents gives me insight on the challenges. Yeah. Um, yeah. And here I am, like, sometimes I think like, oh, I'm so ready to be a parent. But like, <laughs> I feel like when I get to the other side of it, it's like, oh, I know nothing. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's challenges, but I think, you know, all the benefits outweigh the challenges. Like, you know, with this pandemic, I got to see every little moment that my infant, like her all her developmental milestones, I got to see it, you know, whereas the other kids, I didn't get to see it. And, you know, thinking back, my 12 year old is now 12 and I could have sworn it was just yesterday. She was the age of my baby. So it's, you know, I took it for granted, like how I get to spend every moment with this baby. And I didn't get to do that with the other two and they grew up so fast. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just so happy that, you know, it's a blessing that the pandemic had me stay home with them. I get to see every moment with them. I mean, sure, it can be very frustrating, but, you know, just the funny things they say on the day to day, the, the cutest things they do and just seeing their brain developing and just how they help each other. And, you know, like, my my first and second kids they used to be like frenemies they would fight a lot but now I haven't seen them fight in so long and I think it's definitely some level of maturity they've they've developed into and I'm really happy to see that and my middle child is stepping up and being very responsible it's just it's all stuff that's very it pleases my heart it pleases my soul so I'd love to see all this stuff and just like you know my little toddler just starting to develop a vocabulary it's just all of that stuff is just heartwarming yeah yeah Yeah. like I I, I'm hearing kind of like feeling closer to them yes as a pro of um the pandemic Mm -hmm. you mentioned advantages and I'm curious if there are any advantages you know, aside from like being more aware of mental health, um, probably concerns, any other advantages of being a parent and a therapist? I think just knowing, knowing what not to do. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I see, I see other parents and I see a lot of the old school parenting of like, you know, hard love or, or kind of just being really critical or, just the things not to do and and see how it has affected their children who are my clients. I try not to do that. So definitely it's like an eye opener, like, okay, not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to do that. And I'm going to try to do things differently, even though I'm frustrated too. Like, you know, like, so I've learned how to 
like, I know I'm going to say something that could be similar to that when I'm in a lot of frustration. So I'm just going to bite my tongue and walk away and come back at a later time when I'm ready to say something more helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, recognizing the signs within myself so I don't blow up and say something that could be very hurtful to them. That's definitely been helpful. And I think about, too, like, like say, my friends, right? I don't think I know very many adult my of my adult friends. I don't think I know very many of them who would say, oh, yeah, like, I remember my parents saying a lot of good things about me and praising every good thing that I did and all my accomplishments, but I could name a lot of them who would feel like, oh, yeah, I remember when my parents used to, like, say, you know, say these things that hurt me, um, which just shows that, like, it, it stays like the, you know, the hurtful things that we hear growing up. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads me then to the next question of, it, do you have any books or movies or, or anything that you feel like would be helpful to, to parents out there that, you know, maybe are trying to be better at communicating with their children, trying to be better at managing their own anger and frustration? Because like you said, it is challenging and it is frustrating sometimes when, um, you know, maybe the kid is doing something that they probably shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, what are some of the things that you've read or you've seen that might be helpful for, for parents out there? I know parents don't really have time to read, read on books, but so I, I know one that was really helpful was how to talk so kids could listen or will listen and listen so kids will talk. And I think that one's a, a really good one because there's a lot of it's, – it's, it's, it's an easy read. It's really quick, and it also has these – nice scenarios slash comic strips that are relatable. Like I could just pull and, you know, a couple of those out and just kind of talk to some parents about those comic strips and see like, Oh, see this, how you would handle that kind of situation. And it's true. You know, some kids don't like to talk because their parents will just lecture, lecture, lecture. Right. So they just prefer not to. So it's just best. I think from that, the message of that book is like the more you the more you you stay quiet and just listen and nod your head and validate, the more they're able to listen. And I definitely found that true for my own kids. Yeah. And there's a balance too. I think that some parents are really trying to get to the balance of being firm and like setting those boundaries and taking a step back and be like, okay, let the child take the lead. And it's, it's a dance, right? Like just like any other relationship, but I really like that book too. And I think, yeah, you're the one that showed me that book, book if, if I remember correctly. And I honestly, I think that book also helped me with my adult relationships. Yeah, because yeah, the comic strips just really, they give you words to use. And sometimes that's the hard part for me. I think a part part of that is because, you know, I grew up in a, in a different country and English is my second language technically. And um, yeah, just like finding the right words, especially when you're angry sometimes, like yes. the, the words that want to come out are not very productive for the conversation or very helpful for the conversation. So yeah, just having that and practicing it when I'm calm. So yeah, I really, I would recommend that book too for a lot of parents. So we were just talking about that really good book, How to Talk to Kids So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. But do you have any other general resources for parents out there that may be interested in 
uh, building their relationship with their children? Yes. Um, I recently found something called the Big Life Journal. It's actually popped up on my social media and I'm like, hmm, it gives us a try. So I... I bought the Big Life Journal and I thought it was really, really helpful. So the Big Life Journal, it it teaches parents to parent using their growth mindset model, which means that they would praise their efforts versus praise the child. Um, for example, if a parent says, hey, you know, you're so smart, then the, the kid will think that they always have to be smart and they always have to live up to that expectation. Whereas if you praise their effort, then that doesn't quite happen. They'll just always want to keep trying. And I also like the fact that um, they normalize mistakes so that kids are not afraid to make mistakes and that they see it, mistakes as beautiful learning experiences. I really like that about the Big Life Journal. I'm trying to remember what they had, but there was one that I really enjoyed where they had this like rocket ship chart. Um, the, the kid can build and the, the kid and the parent could like work on, okay, how do you get to that top level of your rocket ship? Like, what are the steps to get there? Which I, to me really encompasses what a growth mindset is where it's like, oh, you do these like little things to get to that big thing. Um, and again, along the way, normalizing the mistakes and recognizing the efforts rather than, you know, this, like you said, this adjective that the, the child might maybe unconscious or subconsciously would want to, yeah, live up to for the rest of their lives. Yeah. To feel yeah. like they're loved or accepted right. or to feel like they're seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And I like the big journal because it does have materials for both kids and the parents and it's pretty too. Um, we're not sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not, but you know, it, it's very, um, it's fun and, and it's pretty, but we're not sponsored, but that's just my experience of it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Big Life Journal is listening out there, we really love your work. <laughs> the other thing too, that I wanted to talk to you about today, you know, given everything that you're, you're having to manage, how do you prioritize self-care or how do you practice self-care? I hear a lot of times that like from parents, right? Oh, I don't have time for myself because it's always about my kids and work and, you know, and, and yes, it's true, right? There's always a lot going on. And we always also hear that you can't really pour from an empty cup. So how do you, as a mother, as a therapist, as a daughter and a wife taking care of yourself? So I have to schedule it in. <laughs> so, cause if, if I didn't schedule it in, then I would probably myself and not do it. So I, I am school that I like paper calendars. And so I will write down, this is the time for my walk. And so I just have to take my walks and, you know, I feel better right after. Um, and sometimes the walks also involve my kids. So they also get some, some of their walk-in, some of their vitamin D from the sunshine, you know, some of their activity slash PE that they don't get <laughs> anymore. Definitely those walks help, help me. And then at the end of the day, like while my kids are sleeping, you know, I will do some binge watching on Netflix on something fun um, and lighthearted. So that's my self-care. Yeah. So really putting it into the schedule as if it were an, appo- an appointment. Exactly. That's how I have to prioritize it. Like it was an appointment. That's, that's a good tip. 
And what if there's really no time that week or, you know, that couple of weeks? What's like a small thing that that doesn't take up a lot of time, money, or energy that, you know, you have done or have been doing for yourself? Uh, my daily coffee. <laughs> oh, that's money, but <laughs> it's, it's soothing. And if, if, you know, if I don't have my coffee, there's always tea. So anything that's warm that I can just sip on and feel like the warmth going down to my tummy, that's just, that's a small care that will get me through the day if I don't have the time. Yeah. And the way you described it too, I'm like, oh, so mindful, Jen. Just like that warmth to my tummy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like a minute of mindful practice can really get you going for the rest of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And your your lattes, they, they look amazing too. I see them on the screen. My Nespresso's. <laughs> yes, my Nespresso's. That's definitely, uh, it saved me a lot of bucks <laughs> from going this outside to cafe, Starbucks or Pete's. That Nespresso pod has definitely been my lifesaver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that you helped me see, you and Heather, like our other um, colleague, who's also a mom, is that it's possible to be a full-time therapist and a mother. Because I think before I met you both, I've, you know, I've, I've known therapists that are mothers, but it just like seemed so hard and impossible. Yeah. And then I see you both and it's like, you know, like you just do it. You're both good at it, both being a therapist and being a mom. And I, I still don't know what it is. I think it's it's how you and, well, we'll focus on you because you're the one here. <laughs> but I think it's how you really just stay calm through a lot of the things that come up, whether it's at home or at work or out in the world. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just been really inspiring and really eye-opening, in my opinion, to be able to see that that's possible, that... Yes, there are weeks that, you know, maybe there's a little bit more burnout, but coming back the next week and just like being calm again. Thank you. Oh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. I, have I not shared that with you before? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, nice to hear that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know if you heard us say it too. We're just like, oh yeah, like, oh, your, your pregnancy with, with, um, your youngest too, like you were just so calm through all of it. Well, at least when, you know, you, how you presented yourself. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> you know, as we're, we're nearing the end of our episode today, there's a few more things that I wanted to ask you. Do you have any words of inspiration for other therapist mothers out there who may be listening to this right now? Words of inspiration, I would say... That, you know, a lot of times as therapists, you know, we have a lot of icebreakers of like, what keeps you going? What's your, you know, what's your self-care? I would just say my kids, like, you know, just the love that they give and the love that we give them and just the the relationship and watching them grow. That's like self-care right there. Like, sure, they can, they can burn me out, but like, I feel like that is definitely what keeps me going, seeing my kids grow and that keeps me going every day like sure this could be hard but I think for moms out there like that will fill my cup again every day right Mm -hmm. so I would just say just keep going and if you find a hard moment like I know you can also capture 
a very beautiful moment. Just if you just kind of tune into your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. When I become a mom, I'll listen to this episode again. <laughs> Remind myself. Well, before we close, I thought we could play a little game I call 343, which, you know, where I ask you three questions and they're they're casual in my opinion, but I've heard from other people that they could actually be quite deep. <laughs> but anyway, first question, if motherhood is a dish, what would it be and why? So, okay, so I I have parents that immigrated from the Philippines, so I am uh Filipino American, uh, second generation. So I, my taste buds are totally Filipino. So for you Filipinos out there, I, motherhood would be pinakbit. <laughs> so <laughs> why? Um, um, well, because you have so many different flavors in there. Sweet, like I, the squash is sweet. The, the orange squash, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, salty because of the bagoong in there. It's like salty, but in a good way. Like, mmm, so good. <laughs> but bitter, like the ampalia in there. Because, but you know what? It still go, it goes well. Like even though it's bitter and I don't like ampalia, ampalia. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. It still like goes really well all together. And then thinking about the fact that it's a veggie dish and that it's healthy, I think. <laughs> healthier just like ties it all in to like this is great sweet salty and healthy and a little bit of bitter mm-hmm. <laughs> so and then you feel proud because like yay i'm doing something healthy for myself i'm eating enough bit so like yeah i would call it that yeah such a nourishing dish too you know you mentioned yes, healthy. Definitely nourishing. Yeah, nourishing yeah. for the palate for the for our health like for your health everything and it's like nostalgic too i love it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah actually that's quite perfect it's like a umami right like all the flavors come together and it's perfect yeah <laughs> and it's not subtle it's like like a bold flavor but it's a lot of subtle different flavors combined you know yeah yeah that's why it's that's motherhood <laughs> Like all the little things that you have to do as a mother that makes it this like rally, rally. There's my Filipino accent. <laughs> the, the, a really special role, like a really special mm-hmm. thing to be able to do. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I love pinakbet too. So every time, yeah, every time I eat it, I'll think of, I'll think of moms. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like you. Know, every time I look at the menu, I always get the unhealthier choices. But then I'm like, but I have to have panakbit because it's still good and healthy. Mm-hmm. I tell myself it's healthy. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm getting hungry. I just ate dinner. But <laughs> <laughs> question number two for three four three. Um, what's the best thing about being a mother? Oh my gosh! When you first see them. Oh. And they put you, they put the baby on your chest and you feel their warmth and see how cute they are. And then you're also like in disbelief that that thing was growing in you for nine months, but it's still the best moment ever when you first see your baby for the first time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a good feeling. (laughs) Yeah. So one more, one more baby. 
to have no. that feeling again. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I love my I'm just kidding. And for our third and final question for this episode, what's one thing that brought you joy during quarantine? One thing that brought me joy during quarantine, I would have to say, can this be, can it be two? (laughs) Again, again, watching every milestone of my children, like growing and developing into like for the older one, she's preteen and she's, she's developing into like more of a mature person the eight-year-old is developing into like very more she's more helpful and you know like I mentioned earlier she was tantruming a lot and she's definitely found her own self-care so that was nice to see too and so there's no more tantrums and the fact that they as sisters they're best friends and there's no more friend and there's no more friend to me part they're just best friends and the fact that they're both they both take care of their little sister that's all heartwarming the other one is, you know, like my, my walks that I schedule into my schedule because I never before had I had to prioritize my health, but I do now. Um, little silver linings, right? That's what they call, they call it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you for being here and for joining us. Um, I know listeners didn't quite hear or see it, but you know, everything that's, that's going on in your end is definitely what mom life is um, during, throughout this recording. Um, but I really appreciate you making the time and yeah, just sharing your story and sharing your experiences with our listeners today. Thank you. And I apologize also for my background noise as my daughter was taking a shower and soap got in her eye. So if you hear some screams, I swear, (laughs) it's soap in her eye. Um, So my apologies and thank you for being patient with, with my background noise as well. Yeah, no, no worries. No worries. Um, Again, like I said, it's, it's, what life is right it's it's such it's part of motherhood it's part of parenting and i hope listeners out there they would probably appreciate that there's some of that realness in this episode you know um (laughs) yeah salamat and and thank you again for being here thank you it was a pleasure thank you for asking me to be part of your show If you would like to hear more stories from clinicians of color, please subscribe to stay up to date with new episodes. Or if you would like to share your story of unfolding, send me a message at therapistunfolding at gmail.com. Maraming salamat ulit. Take care.